good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to Minsure. Uh, they're uh, sponsoring this, uh, supporting us in this segment. Minsure can help you find a plan that covers your prescriptions and saves you money. Visit mnsure.org to get started. Hey, um jam-packed show today we got the governor uh, lieutenant governor of uh, minnesota here speaking uh, on what's happening here in minnesota we really appreciate uh, peggy plan again uh ojibwe a white earth nation and the and uh, wolf clan to, to stop in and then we also have dr stately here and before we get any uh i get into blabbing here uh any longer let's uh, get with Ogama with the news that you don't hear anywhere else welcome Ogama. Buju Anin relatives, this is Ogama Ganu Kway. I am a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota, and I have some news for you here on Native Roots Radio. As you all know, Red Dress Day is about two weeks away. February 14th every year is a Red Dress Day or a day of MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women or People. And the annual MMIW, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Peoples March uh, that's usually held in the Twin Cities for the past three years has not happened in person due to COVID-19, but it is back this year. Tuesday, February 14th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at East Phillips Park. This event is put on by one of our wonderful sponsors, the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. The March is for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, Boys, LTB, LGBTQ+, Two-Spirit, and Transgender Relatives. No res- registration is needed. The event is free and open to the public. Please wear red. Bring banners, posters, staffs, drums, rattles, whatever you would like. Information about those loved ones that may still be missing. Um, put their pictures on a poster. Let the world know that this needs to be taken action on. Again, that's February 14th, 2023, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. The march begins at 12 p.m. at East Phillips Park on 17th Avenue South in Minneapolis. Everyone is welcome. Speakers, lunch, and informational tables and more will be there. There will be additional details to come. Go to the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition Facebook page to find the event. Up in Duluth, there is also going to be the 8th Annual Memorial March for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Relatives. That's happening Tuesday, February 14th, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. That event is, of course, put on by the American Indian Community Housing Organization, the Native Lives Matter Coalition, Men as Peacemakers, and many others. That's up in the Duluth area. Looks like the event is going to start at the Robert Paulus Cultural Center and American at the American Indian Community Housing Organization at uh, West 2nd Street in Duluth. They're calling all jingle dress dancers, hand drum singers, and asking people to wear red for MMIWR, red dress, red skirts, red shirts, red shawls, and honoring all survivors with solidarity shawls. Check-in up there is going to be at 11 a.m. Noon is going to be MMIWR family interviews and a meet and greet. 1 p.m. the event will include opening prayers, proclamations. Anger Tower is going to be read for MMIWG2S and MMIWR. There's going to be speakers, singers, a red ribbon memorial, a round dance, and more. The march starts at 2.45 p.m., 
All are welcome to please come to the event and Memorial March for MMIWR in support of families, relatives, and the community as they collectively march to honor lost loved ones. Again, that's up in Duluth, February 14th. If you are looking for more information, you can go to womensmemorialmarch.wordpress.com slash about. Really wonderful history that's available there regarding the history of the Women's Memorial March, the MMIW event, and more. Again, check out the ICHO or American Indian Community Housing Organization Facebook page to find the event link there. In climate news, over 1,300 climate justice groups have called for an independent investigation into the police murder of the forest defender Manuel Tortuguita Paez Tehran and uh, for Mayor Dickens to resign. Those groups point out that over a week has passed since the murder of Tehran and Mayor Dickens has still failed to condemn the death of the 26-year-old by police and instead has opted to condemn protesters and continue with the rhetoric of the governor. The governor there is very right-wing and has dismissed the concerns of Tortuguita's death and has refused to bring any scrutiny to the unsubstantiated recounting of the events. Tortuguita was murdered by police while protecting the Wilani Forest from being torn, torn down to build Cop City, which is a proposed $90 million Atlanta police training facility where police across the country will be trained to silence protests in cities. Tortuguita was also known as Tort and was a trained medic, forest defender, and person who coordinated mutual aid and helped build housing in hurricane-impacted areas of Florida, widely now considered to be the first uh, environmental activist who was killed in the United States, um, and unfortunately likely to not be the last. So prayers are up for uh, Tortuguita as well as the families and members of the community who have also been murdered or harmed by police in any portion of the United States. This is an ongoing struggle. Also environmental news uh, coming up here. The Guardian uh, reports that by 2050, uh, electric vehicles could require huge amounts of lithium for their batteries, and that would cause expansions of mining, and that the U.S.'s transition to electric vehicles could require up to three times as much lithium as it's currently producing in the global market, which would cause water shortages, indigenous land grabs, and ecosystem destruction inside and outside the borders of the U.S. Unless the U.S.'s dependence on cars in towns and cities falls drastically, the transition to lithium battery-powered electric vehicles by 2050 would deepen global environmental and social inequalities linked to mining and may even jeopardize the 1.5 Celsius global heating target. Um, This is really something that uh, I think people are just now becoming aware of. And uh, in Minnesota here, there's uh, lithium and nickel mining projects that are um, set to be had. And we've had uh, some conversations about those. There was a big win in the Boundary Waters recently. But, um, you know, I did want to touch base on a little bit more of a national um, thing, which is the uh, largest lithium mine in America is currently in uh, federal judges' hands. Um, It went into uh, court on January 6th of this year, 2023. And the federal judge is hoping to issue a ruling in this long-running legal battle sometime in the next two months. Of course, I'm talking about the proposed mine on Thacker Pass, which is a slice of federal land near Nevada's border with Oregon. Um, And it's seen as uh, key for boosting domestic uh, domestic electric vehicle production. Uh, but tribes in that area uh, say that Pihi Maha is off limits. Pihi Maha is the Paiute word for the Thacker Pass area. The tribes that are against this include the Burns Paiute of Oregon, the Winnemucca Indian Colony, and the Reno Sparks Indian Colony all consider the land sacred, and elders say that it was the site of an ancient massacre. Um, even though the EV industry is booming here in the United States, uh, we do need to remember that uh, we cannot mine our way out of the global climate crisis. And uh, unfortunately, this law large supply of lithium um, is something that the United States has its eye on to create uh, cleaner 
uh, systems for transportation and reduce carbon emissions to combat climate change. Um, but the president has also pledged to right historical wrongs in Indian country by installing Deb Haaland, which is the nation's first ever indigenous cabinet secretary, and who is overseeing the agency permitting the Thacker Pass mine. Um, the battle is really, it's ongoing and it's not unique. Uh, we know we have these issues here in Minnesota um, for copper and other mineral mines here. And, um, you know, I am just waiting, uh, just like everybody else, uh, over the next couple of months as we await the uh, federal ruling on Thacker Pass. So stay tuned as we uh, continue to follow this story and others here on Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Back to you, Robert. Hey, Pini Gigi Ogama for all you do in the in news you don't hear anywhere else. Up next, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan with the report. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Ho- hey, Ogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Don't drive too fast or you will miss Scott Jamama's Hot Barbecue. Scott Jamama's offers huge taste out of a little place. Located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road near the intersection of Nicolette Avenue and West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, this tiny hole in the wall offers mouth-watering baby back ribs, grilled chicken, and half-pound pulled pork sandwiches. Don't forget to add the potato salad, spicy baked beans, twice-baked potatoes, and delicious desserts. Find their winter hours and full menu at scottjamamas.com. Hi, I'm Kelly Tanky. And I'm Joe Kirk. Tune in to AM 950's newest show, Searching for Service, a show designed to help current and future Rotarians find purpose through service. We are dedicated to sharing stories, experiences, and opportunities for those searching for purpose, value, and meaning. But more importantly, connection through community. Tune in Sundays at 3 p.m. or anytime via podcasts. It's time to stop searching and start serving. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, this portion is brought to you by uh, MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. I really like that tagline. Hey, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to, uh, you know, all our Patreon people out there that have really helped us support us, especially during COVID. Um, It was huge when, if everyone remembers, it was like a dream that we, uh, all the advertisers faded away because all the businesses closed. And uh, I just want to give everyone a a quick shout out that uh, supports us through Patreon. And if you want to support us, um, through Patreon and hear news that you don't hear anywhere else, go to Native Roots Radio Network on Patreon and throw us a few throw us a few bucks. Ho! Hey, uh, we are really super pleased and proud to have our Lieutenant Governor uh, Peggy Flanagan uh, check in uh, every couple weeks here and give us a report. So, without further ado, wow, I speak French. Without further ado, let's uh, listen to the Lieutenant Governor here real quick, Pinigigi. The Lieutenant Governor's not speaking right now. Uh, Patrick, do you have the Lieutenant Governor queued up? Um, to be honest, I don't. I did not know we were going to be playing that clip tonight. So uh, just a tap dance for a second while I get that queued up. Na 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 na
you know, one of our uh, greatest assets here in the state of Minnesota. Peggy is a white earth, like I said earlier, a white earth resident. Uh, she's in the Wolf Clan, which really, um, really gives us support when we talk about our, our wolves and, uh, and how they're our family. And, you know, I, just to let you know, too, uh, you know, I'm in the Eagle Clan with our... Uh, with our nation, Ho-Chunk Nation, and I'm really proud to be uh, a clan member, and uh, and it means a lot of different things to us, and uh, maybe we'll do a show sometime on that. How are we doing there, Patrick? Just a second here. I have it uh, just about ready. Um, just one more minute here. No problem. No problem. Um it's always uh, always fun, you know, when we do live radio because, like, if the show is too slick, then it seems like it's not live. And we're kind of a folksy little radio show here on Native Ritz Radio. We've been on for six years, and uh, we're really proud about all the guests and uh, all the all the people bringing their truth that have been on the show for for six years, and that's uh, a support. And as you can tell. You know, as we're as I'm talking, that um, this show is run uh, basically on guests because I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I'm just a, a conduit for these great guests we've had over the six years. And we've had the governor, we've had the governor of Wisconsin on, we've had the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin on, we have the governor of Minnesota, we've had Sharice Davids on. Um, we uh, talk about uh, com comedians too. We've had many of the reservation dog people on and uh uh rutherford falls when that was on uh, we had a great show with them and so you know we're we're really happy and pleased and proud to be a conduit for uh, all this native stuff that goes on and really goes on unnoticed uh, or unnoticed uh, and we love the support of devil radio and the civic media and am 950 uh, we couldn't do this without you. We'd be, you know, doing smoke signals and uh, our white allies wouldn't know what we're saying. So I'm glad we're, we're able to, to, to bring this about. So how are we doing there, Patrick? Um, hang on one. That's, that's all right. That's all right. You know, one of the things, uh, I got to tell you this too. We've been talking, we had Johnny Roberts on who's in the book. We had a little real estate problem. Uh, the book, uh, the unheralded story of native Americans in comedy. And they had that comedy show last Saturday and it was sold out. Um, just great reviews. Uh, at, and it was, uh, exciting to see that. And, uh, we need more of that. And especially, we need to take control of our own of our own comedy and our own uh, our own uh, stories. And I don't know why Patrick's looking. I, I want to read a, an excerpt from uh, Johnny Roberts drives five hours to everyday gig, and five hours back um, for an Ojibwe social worker and a part-time stand-up in uh, Red Lake Nation. Getting to the closest open mic night requires. An atrocious five-hour drive, Johnny Roberts says goodbye to his wife, two children, eight young foster kids before departing on his exhausting routine. Roberts is driving to Minneapolis to do a show for an audience that might not even show up. It's a long drive there and a long drive back, a total of 10 hours, but it's the only way for this reservation comic to get himself on stage or any stage time. After having logged several hundred thousand miles during a vast distance from gig to gig in 2000, in a, his 2004 Chevy Silverado has stopped working. Robert thinks the transmission is probably dead. He borrows his wife's black Dodge Nitro this evening and heads into the direction of Highway 89. It's pretty much farmland all the way until St. Cloud, Minnesota, Robert says. There's all, uh, there's, there are a few malls, gas stations, but mostly it's a lot of nothing. As he drives past the water tower with the Red Lake, Red Lake Nation insignia, 
He stops at Red Lake Trading Post to fill up his tank. It costs 120 to get him to the gig and back, a gig that plays $0 in the last seven minutes. Red Lake accompanies 800,000 acres and mostly flat landscape. Roberts grew up there obsessively recording stand-up comedians off the television, hoarding VHS tapes of the 1980s comedy boom, continued. Continuing is his only option. He has a few neighbors who share his passion. They've tried comedy shows at the casino here, but it's hard to get people out. There's not much interest, you know. Uh, let me get this cat down here a second here. I do There's have the clip ready. Obviously, we're very late now in the segment, so I don't know if you want to hold off for the next one. But I do have the lieutenant governor ready for us now. Oh, that's cool. I wonder, well, should we just keep going here and then play it the, the next segment? Yeah, we can go ahead with that. Yeah, hey, uh, so I was listening to you and, and uh, uh, Matt earlier. Uh, <laughs> the Packers aren't in... Uh, the Packers are not in the uh, playoffs, and the Vikings aren't in the playoffs, but it was pretty crazy playoffs uh, this weekend. It seemed like uh, all things were going against Buffalo in a in a very weird way. Did you agree with that, Patrick? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, last week when I was watching that game with them that uh, it felt like it was all in front of them, and they just didn't have a good game against Cincinnati at all and then Cincinnati lost yesterday so it's it's been a little bit of a, a crazy playoff season it usually is but uh over on the other side Philadelphia just kind of took care of business there wasn't really much resistance against them uh, between either the New York Giants or the 49ers it was uh I thought they would have a little bit of a tougher time but they made it look pretty easy yeah, well, uh, quarterbacks injured, uh, you know, things things didn't go down. I, I can't wait until baseball season personally. So that's the, the Twins Fest was last weekend, and uh, uh, I'm excited uh, for some outdoor baseball. You know, for many years we were here at the, at the, with the dome, the Homer Dome, the trash bag wall, and all these things that was so fake. I'm so happy that uh, – we have outdoor baseball again and uh excited uh to go outside and listen you know listen to uh the twins you know and uh and things like that so hey why don't we uh patrick are you're a big twins fan aren't you yeah, I was going to ask if you've seen some of the renovations that they've been doing that made the scoreboard bigger they changed uh that uh the uh the home run sign out on the out on center field and they even put kind of a kind of a disco ball like thing up on top of that clock tower in right field which is pretty amazing well and then how about the new uniforms i'm kind of upset about that because uh you know the, they had uh, original their original uniforms were like pinstripe uniforms like the yankees and you never see the yankees change their uniforms but the the twins have a twin city away, and then they have a weird M with a star on it that looks like the Mariners hat now. And I'm kind of upset with the with the new uh, with the new uniforms. No, I I, I know they're they're kind of taking time for to sink in for some people. I know we got to get to break here, so I won't elaborate too long. But what I think is kind of <laughs> cool is the is the M on that cap is actually, I think, an homage to the old Washington Senators, which the history of which the Twins didn't pay much attention to until a couple years ago, and then suddenly like, oh, yeah, we've actually won three World Series, not two. We started in 1901, not 1961. Right. Well, hey, we could have a whole segment on that. Uh, you're correct. I, I know my old baseball cards uh, definitely talked about that hey we'll be right back this is native roots radio baseball talk we'll be right back take care of your community by joining metro transit's adopt a stop program show your community pride by adopting a transit stop join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us we'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts plus you'll get 10 free rides every month 
Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. COVID-19 is still here. It's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help you protect yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. Get your booster at the 360 Colburn Clinic, operated by St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health, for a chance to win one of five $500 Visa gift cards. Each week in January, a winner will be selected from eligible persons age 5 and up who got their COVID-19 booster. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash booster. This is Santita Jackson. Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, we'll bring you the best progressive talkers, thinkers, and doers on AM 950, Minnesota's progressive voice. Winter fun is waiting for everyone at the Park Tavern. The Park Tavern is a great get-together location for family and friends. The food at the Park Tavern is outstanding with something for everyone. Pizza, wraps, sandwiches, burgers, salads, entrees, pasta, and wings. Take advantage of the best bowling lanes in Minnesota and enjoy the full menu while you bowl. No matter what your favorite sport is, the Park Tavern has all the big games on its many screens. And if you're looking for a private event, the Park Tavern offers private event packages for any size group. On Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park, warm fun this winter awaits you at the Park Tavern. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about the joy of live fire cooking. Cooking over a live fire is the oldest and most basic form of cooking. What's new is in the way a fire is handled and its heat is managed. It's easier to experience and enjoy the smell and taste of food cooked over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs live fire grills, fire pits, and ovens. Let us help you experience the smell, the taste, the fun of cooking with fire. Pizza was first made and is still best made in an open fire oven. The radiant and conductive heat of a live fire is unmatched for wood roasting and baking artisan breads, too. Come see the many ways you can cook over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lulia. Clear tonight with a low of 13 below, wind chills down to 27 below. Then sunshine Tuesday with a high of 10 above, but wind chills could be 26 below zero. If you're someone who has thought about going solar but are unsure if it's right for you, sign up for All Energy Solar's winter webinar. Visit allenergysolar.com slash webinar to register for an event and see what incentives are available for you. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion is brought to you by a Native Roots Radio Patreon. I just thought I'd throw that out there again, Native Roots Radio Network. We couldn't do this without you. Hey, so uh, I think we got this uh, queued up, and we really would love to get the lieutenant governor on here. Really appreciate you, Patrick, and uh, it was fun talking a little baseball. I really um, didn't want a Native American show. I wanted a baseball show when I was younger, so uh, um, I was living my dream right there talking a little baseball, and We'll get maybe a little bit more into that in the fourth segment if uh, Dr. Stately doesn't show up. So, hey, without further ado, let's hear what the, the a report from the Lieutenant Governor of Minnesota. Oh. 
Vuju, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. We just finished rolling out our one Minnesota budget proposal for this legislative biennium. And let me tell you, this is the budget I've been working towards my entire life. Budgets aren't just fiscal documents, they're moral documents. These are the pages where we make it clear what we value and what we invest in. I'll dig in more on specific proposals and investments in the coming weeks, but I wanted to just start here with an overview. First, we rolled out our package focused on making Minnesota the best state in the country for kids. As many of you know, uh, growing up, my mom and I relied on public programs like SNAP, which back in the day we called food stamps, and relied on the child care assistance program so that my mom could have a safe place to bring me while she went back to school and, and got a better paying job. And I, frankly, had housing because of a Section 8 housing voucher, and I am alive today because as a kid with asthma, Medicaid was a necessary tool for me to get my medications and really just to stay alive. So I am where I am today, Lieutenant Governor of Minnesota, because of those programs, not despite them. And we are committed to helping families like mine and like so many of yours thrive with proposals like a child tax credit that helps parents afford essentials such as paying bills, school expenses, a new pair of shoes, childcare costs, um, our proposal offers $1,000 per child up to $3,000 for low-income families and is expected to decrease child poverty in this state by 25% by that policy alone. Expanding access to quality, affordable child care by investing in a mixed delivery system that creates and sustains child care slots where they're needed most, including in greater Minnesota. Funding for universal free meals for all students at schools so that every child can learn with a full belly, without stigma, and without question. And if you were a kid with a different colored lunch ticket like I was, this program will make a tremendous difference. We're going to feed our kids and it's going to be a really good thing. Partnering with tribes in the urban Native community to strengthen and preserve Native families and so much more. Next, we rolled out our budget package focused on investing in Minnesota's economic and climate future. As a mom of a now 10-year-old daughter, I want my child and every Minnesota child to be able to enjoy the things that make Minnesota, Minnesota, like our clean air and water, our fertile farmable land, our robust and valued workforce, and our vibrant small business economy and community. That's why we propose meaningful investments in providing paid family and medical leave and earn sick and safe time to make sure that no one needs to choose between their health, their family, or their jobs. Connecting high need workforce sectors with workers and new and growing population of workers with training and family sustaining wages and jobs and investing in the clean energy workforce, electric vehicle infrastructure, rehabilitating, rehabilitating our land and water and air quality and building homes and communities that are climate resilient. That's how we build a bright future for ourselves, for our kids and for our entire state. Thirdly, we rolled out our budget package focused on protecting the health and safety of Minnesotans. Everyone deserves to be safe and protected and valued in their community, no matter who they are or where they live. That's why we proposed $1.5 billion towards a housing stability package to assist our relatives experiencing homelessness, renters, and aspiring first-time homeowners. Establishing a Minnesota Care public buy-in option so that folks can access health care and $300 million to local governments to address their unique public safety needs. And finally, we rolled out our entire budget proposal last Tuesday, and here's just a few highlights. Our direct proposal sends a one-time payment of up to $2,600 directly to Minnesota households. And that matters. These direct cash assistance, right, these direct checks empower families to decide what they need most to make ends meet. So this could be paying first and last month's rent to get into housing, fixing a car, paying off a credit card debt, making sure that your children have new shoes that fit, which is something that I understand. And finally, we believe it's time it is past time to safely legalize adult use cannabis. 
Prohibition doesn't work. And legalizing adult use cannabis is about our economic future, expanding our economy and creating jobs across the state. It's also about health, allowing us to regulate the industry um, and to ensure that products are safe and educating the public about the facts of cannabis use. And it's about public safety, allowing law enforcement to focus on violent crime and expunging the records of people who are convicted of nonviolent offenses involving cannabis to give them a second chance. I know that's a long list, and there's even more that we'll be discussing in the coming weeks and months, but as just a sneak peek, I wanted to also name that our One Minnesota budget does a lot to support tribal nations and tribal communities. In fact, altogether, the budget recommends over $7 billion in proposals and investments that advance shared state and tribal priorities, and I cannot wait to share more of those with you here in the coming weeks. There's a lot of good stuff in this budget, and I'll, I'm really excited about it, and I hope that, that you are too. We can reduce child poverty, we can invest in each other and in our future, and we can make sure that everyone has an opportunity in the state. In many ways, this budget is why the governor and I decided to run in the first place. And now we can do it, but we're also going to need your help. This session is the session to let your local legislator know how you feel about these investments and to let them know why our community is deserving of these investments too. So we can do things for short and short term for our families and for our children, and then build for the long term to ensure that future generations of our children have every opportunity in Minnesota, Makoche. Chimigwich, Pina Gigi, and back to you. Hey, thanks, Lieutenant Governor. Wow, uh, totally awesome. You know, I just give you a quick rundown, too, on Peggy. Uh, Peggy Flanagan is Minnesota's 50th Lieutenant Governor, a member of the White Earth Nation of Ojibwe, and is currently the country's highest-ranking Native woman elected to executive office uh, at the center of all her work is making progress for children, working families, communities of color, indigenous communities in Minnesota, who has historically been underserved and unrepresentative. So it was really good to hear from uh, the lieutenant governor. And hey, we got a few more minutes in this segment, and we got uh, Dr. Stately, the CEO of Native American Community Clinic here in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities. Great to see you, Dr. Stately. I'm just so proud of uh, our Thank lieutenant you. governor. I'm just so proud of our lieutenant governor, and I just uh, uh, really love having uh, this kind of uh, partnership with her a couple times a month, and uh, always uh, great seeing you and uh, having this partnership with you, uh, with you. all the great news that uh, you bring to us. And, um, you know, I was talking to Wendy uh, a couple times today, and she was going to meet with her sister. Her sister, you know, she's out in New York right now, and she's going to be coming back. Mm -hmm. Sister covid Former sister-in-law, she was going to have lunch oh. with COVID. So I don't know. Is the East Coast uh, rocking and rolling with COVID again? I think so. Like there's like um, they have a pretty high percentage of that XBB1 variant that is the newest um, variation of um, Omicron. It's kind of wreaking some havoc up there. It's a uh, you know New York and the East Coast is very densely populated lots of travel international travel in and out of that area mm -hmm. so you know if they're not masking up and taking precautions it's going to happen so. well i appreciate you stopping in here and we only got a couple minutes left in this segment but uh i don't know do you mind telling uh telling our listeners wh where you were before you got here uh uh, about your two sons and how proud you are and uh how great of oh, sure. you're becoming. sure well, where I was earlier today, um, I was at a all day, all afternoon meeting, which in Minneapolis, which is why I was late getting back here, have, picking up my sons for hockey practice. But I was spent the afternoon in a, <clears throat> a large meeting with a bunch of Black and Indigenous um, community folk and leaders, all talking about birthing justice. Um, yeah. <clears throat> NAC is part of a four-member coalition that's building a strategy for um, addressing birthing justice and uh, better maternal and child outcomes for our community. And, you know, I caught the tail end of the LG's talk there about, you know, 
Minnesota has historic um, investments that it can make. And um, I was at the inauguration when um, uh, the governor made his speech and he talked a little bit about like, you know, Minnesota is one of the best places to raise families. And we're about third in the nation. He really wants to make it be his, you know, by the time he leaves office in two years, he wants it to be the best place in the nation to raise children and raise a family. And um, in order for us to make that happen, we have to really address the significant and high, high disparity rates in maternal and child health for Native women and Black women and their children. Wow. And I'm really proud to be part of those conversations right now. So, Yeah, you know, we got less than a minute here. Are those conversations uh, stressful? I mean, is there a lot of stress or is there a lot of release and giving um, you truth? Or how does that work for you? I think they're, you know... For me personally, they're not—they're not stressful in the sense that um, you know I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm feeling good that they were finally having them. It was a tough conversation, though. We started the day this afternoon. Um, I was a little, little bit late running for the meeting. Obviously, I was at the mayor's office before that. Um, I feel like I'm always late for meetings. That's kind of like. Oh. Looks like he just froze up here. Hey, we're with Dr. Stately, and uh, we'll be right back after this short break. You are listening to a Monday version of Native Ritz Radio, where if one thing can't go wrong, the other. But hey, we're here, and we're having fun, and uh, we'll be right back after this short break. Hopefully. No, we will. I oh. apologize. I got, I got cut off because I mentioned NPR. I know it. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Metro State University empowers students to expand their knowledge and advance their careers through high-quality bachelor's and master's programs in high-demand fields. Looking to complete a four-year degree? Metro State has more than 60 undergraduate programs to choose from. Hoping to move into the next level of your career? Find out which of Metro State's 25-plus graduate programs is right for you. Visit metrostate.edu for upcoming info sessions and to apply. Spring registration is open now. Metro State University, where learning meets living. Winter is here, and there's a good chance your home isn't being heated efficiently. And it's likely because of air sealing and insulation problems. Inadequate attic insulation is the leading contributor to high energy bills, cold rooms, and ice dams. Great news, the energy-efficient pros at Snap Construction can fix it all. Stop the heat from leaking out and save. Call 612-333-SNAP or visit snapconstruction.com for your free infrared energy inspection. Install with Snap Construction and qualify for over $750 in rebates and incentives. State and city programs are now offering 0% financing for qualifying insulation upgrades. So call Snap Construction for your free insulation energy consultation and start saving on your energy bills. Call 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP. Or visit snapconstruction.com. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed insulation and exterior contractor in the metro area. Visit snapconstruction.com. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, uh, preserving our wolves for future generations. Hey, we're here with Dr. Yes, we're here with Dr. Howling Stately, and uh, we're talking a little bit about stress. And uh, I appreciate you coming on because I know um, you are like balancing so many things and twirling plates in the sky. And so uh, it's good to see you. I missed you at the round dance uh, Saturday. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was disappointed about that. 
Well, I had my... hockey all day. Like, you know, I can't really do anything in the community between the months of October and April because this hockey consumes my life. It just so. Yeah, I'm you, hoping. Think... I'm I'm looking forward to the day that my children start driving. Like, I will. Yeah. I will, I mean, you might see me dancing in the middle of Franklin Avenue on the day that my children start driving. Well, it was great to see everybody at the uh, round dance, but my hip hurts and my knee hurts from going around and around oh. in the same direction. So um, I'm going to have to figure oh, out yeah. backwards. <laughs> you might have to like, you know, like in the middle of it, switch, like and switch hands and round dance to the other side. Just change it up a little bit. Change up your routine, you know? Put yeah. a little, like, sway in those hips. Get a little action in there. Yes. Well, I was I was grooving and acting like I was uh, 40 again and, uh, you know, having cramps oh, in the middle of <laughs> Having cramps in the middle of the night was, like, not my superpower. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you shouldn't dance like you're 40. Maybe you should dance like you're 50 because you're 61, <laughs> right? <Something like> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah um so yeah i'm like you know stress is a there here's the interesting thing so actually i was just listening to this piece on um i think it was either on point anyway one of those um uh, radio shows that we run on that station we don't talk about um <laughs> was talking a little bit about like the nature of stress and how stress is not all bad. There's actually not bad things about stress. Um, uh, some stress is really bad. Um, traumatic stress is really bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, chronic stress can be very bad because chronic stress in, um, is actually a killer in the sense that it, it can do things like create heart disease, high blood pressure, those kinds of things. Um, those silent killer um, uh, diseases. But one of the things that stress also does is stress can also be a motivator and it kind of like, you know, um, when you're feeling a little bit like, you know, a little bit stressed about your schoolwork, a little bit stressed about like a task you have to achieve, or maybe there's a big decision you have to make, those kinds of things, or a presentation perhaps, or anything like that. Those things sometimes serve to kind of help you stay focused and help you sort of like, um, you know, stay focused on a task and also um, motivate you to sort of kind of move towards accomplishing the thing that you need to accomplish. So sometimes it can be a good thing. The problem is, is in our communities, we have a lot of stress that is pervasive and it's mm -hmm. chronic and it's intergenerational, right? And so paying attention to those things, indications of stress that might be causing you social, emotional, or um, physical disorders or challenges are really important so that you can go and seek help and get help for those things. Yeah. To manage it, manage it better. I know uh, years ago I heard, and I don't know how true this is, but I heard, you know, a lot of times uh, stress causes cancer. It ignites these things in your, in your body that aren't, aren't good. Um, when you go through all this yeah. stress. Yeah, I'm not sure how hard the science is on that. I, mean, I would imagine that, like, you know, there's a there's a a confluence of a lot of things. I think, like, you know, like you're more likely to, you know, perhaps um, develop cancer if you like, you know, eat high, highly carcinogenic foods. Um, a lot of cancers are caused by environmental factors, right? Yeah, um, the things that the spaces and places in which you live, um, you know all things that are squarely within like um, some of the work we do at NAC, which is, you know, trying to bring more, sh shed more light on things like, you know, the amount of environmental um, uh, toxins that our communities and, um, uh, you know, uh, exposed to within the inner cities, you know, um, bounded by a couple of highways, like talking about South Minneapolis and, and like the Little Earth, uh, housing, housing development. Mm -hmm. These are all things that sort of kind of make, you know, all kinds of conditions problematic for native folks, highest rates of asthma, highest rates of cardiovascular disease, highest rates of all kinds of things that make us much, much more likely to be um, um, uh, sick by other things like cancer. We have some of the highest rates of cancer and lung disease 
lung disorders, lung cancers are really quite dramatically different from native people. Yeah, so is it nature over uh, uh, in nature? Is it a lot of it have to do with the what what's been handed down traumatically, or is it um, environmental, or or both? I think there's. I think um, many cancers are um, can be directly linked to things like um, behaviors, smoking, the things that mm-hmm. you ingest into your body. Um, some, um, several of them are related to carcinogens in the environment, right? If you, and some of these things are not even things that are always beyond our control either. Like we, you know, the native, native people all across Turtle Island and many of their communities, they are the, they are the, um, poorest and most disenfranchised. And, and I'm trying, actually trying to really actually change my language around that. We say disenfranchised when it's really like disinvested in like like governments and other banks and people who have wealth and money don't invest in those communities um they don't find them um and um uh you know bankable so to speak they invest in those communities and that's the problem is that like when we don't have those investments in our communities we can't hold up our communities and and, um and help them with their health and their well-being and their um and giving them the things that they need a good example of that is like we have you know, some of the, we have a, a hotly contested sort of action that's before the Minneapolis um, Parks are not Public Works Board, and then also within the City Council, and it's all about the um, you know the uh, rooftop depot um, building and the city parks, uh, uh, not parks, the city uh, um, Public Works Department wants to build a new wants to move all of their maintenance equipment to South Minneapolis and build a new maintenance facility right there within like three or four blocks of Littler um, along Hiawatha Avenue. Um, already one of the areas in Minneapolis that has some of the highest toxins, parts per million in the air and also um, in um, other, you know, um, you know, in a community that has practically no green space, right? Those right. are the kinds of situations and conditions that have made people living all the time. And, we're poor. We don't have the ability to hire big lobbyists. We don't hire have the ability to hire big attorneys that fight those systems. And poverty and health disparities and equities, those kinds of things, go hand in hand, quite frankly. Yeah, I saw a couple months ago, Dr. Stately, that uh, there was a city council uh, thing going on with that. Uh, where does the city council of Minneapolis stand in that? I think they're, they just made a vote recently to advance the um, the um, project or the proposed project a little bit to forward, um, they didn't approve it, but they did advance. Uh, they did um, make a recommendation to sort of um, to go ahead and move forward on um, future parts of the project. And there's a lot of people working on this thing. You know, there's some great people in our community that are sort of kind of working on from an advocacy and a um, public policy perspective and also um, um, peer activist perspective to try and get that more more attention. This is something that we absolutely need to be fighting for. Wow, let's keep uh, posted on that and I'd like to show up myself uh, because it's ridiculous. Let's put a pipeline, let's put pollution next to uh, these uh, communities that don't have a voice. Hey, thanks Dr. Stately for coming in. I know you're super busy. You've been listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and we'll be on tomorrow, I swear to goodness. Ho-wah. Thank you.